week on Earth Matters, we'll hear a special report from the Alice Springs Group, Shut Youth Prisons, featuring former prisoner Dylan Voller, whose treatment while incarcerated featured on a Four Corners expose last October. We also hear a brand new track from his sister and activist, Kira Voller. Then we'll hear the story of former soldier and American whistleblower Chelsea Manning, who has just walked free after seven long years imprisonment. I'm Jem Ronald, and this is Earth Matters, environmental and social justice stories and news from Australia and the world. This episode is produced on Darawal Country for 3CR Radio and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. First up, here is Marawa Johnson, spokesperson for the Wangan and Jagalingu Family Council, who are fighting to stop the now infamous Adani coal mine proposal. News recently came out that the Queensland government is offering Adani a royalty holiday just to top off the free water and money for a new railway line. In this political context, support for traditional owners fighting off this environmental, cultural and climate disaster is more important than ever. Here's Marawa speaking at an event in Sydney featuring Indigenous people at the front line of climate justice struggles. I think what I yeah what we don't get to yarn about enough is exactly what Sister Melina was saying is that like uh, I'm a firm believer that um, the destruction of the environment is um, gender violence and when you think about it almost universally the world or the earth is gendered as a woman mother earth like most people accept that the earth is gendered. And when we think about who at the top is making the decisions about what happens on the ground to, the, to that woman, to the earth, um, they're usually white men with, you know, billions if not trillions of dollars. Um, and who are the signatures on, you know, signing off on those uh, Indigenous land use agreements or on, on that legislation or on, on that contract that essentially says that you can literally... Um, trigger warning... Um, you can literally penetrate the earth um, without the consent of the people who say that they come from that place and they speak for the earth because the earth can't speak for itself. That's why we are put here to speak for it and say, no, that you can't do that. And when they commit genocide, they remove our people from the situation so that they can say there was no one there. We didn't have to seek consent. We could go and do that. Um, that's where we're at at the moment. And we look about, when we think about the, the effects of climate change and, and, and the actual, the frontline extraction as well. Who are the people who are most vulnerable? It's black women, it's our families, it's our children. Um, indigenous, sorry, um, indigenous women all around the world as well. Um, and I just, yeah, I just wanted to speak to that a little bit because if we're thinking about how do we stop these massive, massive, massive projects from destroying everything we know and humanity as we know it, Without actually breaking down the systems and the power matrix that's that's at play that exists here, to you know, this system was built for individuals to up, you know, uh, resistors to be taken out. It's it wasn't built for collective organisation against it, and that's what we need to do. And we need to have Indigenous women leading because we're the people who we carry the story. Just like what my uncle's saying in the video, it's about our water. So the Carmichael coal mine is proposed to be smack bang on top of the Carmichael River, 40 kilometres by 13 kilometres. The water table is just 400 metres down. This is the, um, the Great Artesian Basin. 
and actually our, our, our natural springs, which are a sacred site, a birthing place, um, which are just 10 kilometres away from the proposed mine site, feed up from the Great Artesian Basin and feed all, all, all of the water in the area. And so the water is our life and the, the existence of life in that area is owed to the water in the story. And it's women who carry that, but also it's everybody's responsibility to protect that as well. Um, it shouldn't just be on our people because we've been the most disenfranchised for the longest, but here, yet here we are. We're the people who aren't just saying no to these multi-billion dollar mining conglomerates who can buy off a state government like that, who can buy off a federal government like that, who can ignore the UN, who can get the government to ignore the UN. When, when, you're, up against, when you're up against powers like that, like, um, it, it's always our people on the front line. Mm If you'd like to support Marawa Johnson and the Wangan and Jugalingu Family Council in their battle against Adani, you can donate on their website, which is all of the W's dot Wanganjagalingu, so W-A-N-G-A-N-J-A-G-A-L-I-N-G-O-U dot com dot A-U slash donate. Now we'll hear a seven-minute story from Andy Payne, a radio producer for 4 Z in Brisbane. Andy takes us on a journey with Chelsea Manning, a high-profile whistleblower who leaked hundreds of thousands of documents from the US military to WikiLeaks, exposing abuse of military detainees and civilian deaths. After a harrowing seven years, Chelsea is now free. One Clear. Come on. Clear. That is some of the audio from the video dubbed Collateral Murder, documenting a US Apache helicopter gunning down 11 civilians and two children, including unarmed Reuters journalists and people who had stopped to pick up the bodies. That video was leaked to WikiLeaks amongst thousands of other classified documents by a young US intelligence analyst then known as Bradley and now as Chelsea Manning because, as she said in the chat logs that were used as evidence for her arrest, without information you cannot make informed decisions as a public. Chelsea Manning was arrested on May 27, 2010 and before even being charged was held in inhuman conditions in US military prisons. This is a clip from that time from Noam Chomsky. Bradley Manning is a particularly ugly case. He's, he's been detained uh, without charges for, I think, about nine months. He was uh, basically being tortured. That's what it means to be in solitary confinement with uh, pretty ugly treatment. Uh, that's uh, the kind of thing we uh, complain about bitterly when it happens in Iran or China and so on. It's happening right here. No charges. He isn't being brought to a civilian court yet, may never be. Uh, he's being uh, severely punished, in fact tortured, uh, for uh, uh, claims that even if they were established should be a, a reason for respect, not uh, criminal charges. Chelsea Manning's trial began preliminary hearings in December 2011 and finally concluded in August 2013, where Chelsea was found not guilty of the most serious charge of aiding the enemy, but guilty of numerous charges related to accessing government property and was sentenced to 35 years in prison. 
A day after the sentencing, the young whistleblower thanked supporters and publicly acknowledged for the first time that she was a transgender woman. She asked that people refer to her no longer as Bradley, but as Chelsea. The next chapter of Chelsea Manning's activism became advocating for the rights of transgender people behind bars in circumstances that were not especially supportive. Chelsea Manning scheduled to go before a closed-door disciplinary hearing today at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. Manning's lawyers say she could be sent back to indefinite solitary confinement after being accused of a number of infractions, including having an expired tube of toothpaste, an issue of Vanity Fair, in which transgender celebrity Caitlyn Jenner describes her new life living openly as a woman, a copy of the U.S. Senate report on torture, several LGBT books and magazines, and other so-called prohibited property in her cell. Yeah, so this, I mean, I think a number of things are happening right now. Uh, after five years of confinement, Chelsea really is leveraging her voice, and she's become an important commentator on issues of government transparency, media access to prisoners, and, of course, transgender rights. And here we are, as her voice is being solidified in the public discourse, having the threat that she's going to have that voice shut down, whether through solitary confinement or other means to take away the materials that she uses to inform her political and her public so voice. So explain this hearing today. Right now, we are uh, still awaiting word from the government well, whether or not they're willing to let Chelsea Manning grow her hair. Right now, she is still forced to maintain male grooming standards with respect to her hair. Uh, we were successful in getting her access to hormones, which has been hugely important to her, and it was a you know plain violation of the Constitution that they were denying her that. But her, the fight is still ongoing, and the fact that they're forcing her to essentially shave her head regularly uh, in accordance with the male grooming standards is something that is greatly upsetting to her, and that fight will continue and will pick up in the fall, uh, as will her continued effort uh, to fight for her freedom through her appeal of her court-martial convictions. That was Amy Goodman from Democracy Now! and Chase Strangio from the American Civil Liberties Union in August 2015. Chelsea kept advocating for her rights as a transgender prisoner, but struggling with this and the prospect of a life spent in prison, she twice attempted suicide in 2016. The suicide attempts prompted renewed public solidarity, especially after the prison response to the first attempt was to punish her with more solitary confinement. This is from Vietnam War whistleblower Daniel Ellsberg. I'm Daniel Ellsberg. I support Chelsea Manning. After years of mistreatment in prison, Chelsea Manning tragically attempted to take her own life. Now, instead of giving her the treatment she needs, the government is threatening her with indefinite solitary confinement, a form of torture. I stand with Chelsea Manning. I hope you will too. With pressure from the public, Chelsea Manning's continued struggling from inside and the prospect of a Donald Trump presidency about to begin. In January, in Barack Obama's last week in office, the U.S. president commuted the remainder of Chelsea Manning's sentence. Let's be clear. Chelsea Manning has served a tough prison sentence. Uh, it has been my view that given she went to trial, that due process uh, was carried out, that she took responsibility for her crime, that the sentence that she received was uh, very disproportional, disproportionate relative to what uh, other leakers had received. Uh, 
uh, and that uh, she had served a significant amount of time, that it made sense to commute and not pardon her sentence. Tomorrow, on May 17, after seven years in prison, Chelsea Manning will be released. In her final statement as a U.S. prisoner, she said, I'm looking forward to breathing the warm spring air again. I want that indescribable feeling of connection with people and nature again without razor wire or a visitation booth. I want to be able to hug my family and friends again. And swimming. I want to go swimming. That was a special story by Andy Payne from 4ZZZ Radio in Brisbane, celebrating the work, life and now freedom of whistleblower Chelsea Manning. You're listening to Earth Matters, produced for 3CR Radio in Victoria and broadcast all across these stolen lands we call Australia on the Community Radio Network. Let's hear a special report from Elsie Kennedy from the Alice Springs-based group Shut Youth Prisons. She speaks with Dylan Voller, whose horrific treatment in the Dondale Youth Detention Centre was exposed on Four Corners last October and his sister and spoken word artist, Kira Voller. Hi, my name's Elsie. I'm involved in a group called Shut Youth Prisons in Alice Springs. Shut Youth Prisons is a group advocating for community-based alternatives to youth detention centres. I got involved in the group last year after watching the Four Corners report Australia's Shame into youth detention in the Northern Territory. Since then, I've gotten to know young people who've spent time in detention, and their families as well. When we're home alone, cause our family's gone drinking, we get bored cause there's nothing to do. Not excited about tomorrow, cause every day's the same. Gotta find a new direction, gotta find a new way to break the cycle. Over the last couple of months, we've sat together Uh listening to guards, politicians and police giving evidence to the Northern Territory Royal Commission. People talk about breaking the cycle of kids committing crimes and going to detention, but there are other cycles happening here as well. Cycles where the government fails to give funding to community programs again and again. Cycles where people in positions of authority abuse their power and are not held accountable again and again. Over hours and hours of listening to evidence, a picture's begun to come together of a system with broken facilities, not enough staff, and a tough-on-crime approach where kids are punished psychologically and physically for really minor misdemeanours. What you're about to hear is an interview with Kira and Dylan Voller. Dylan has spent most of his teenage life in youth detention. He was one of the young people at the centre of the original Four Corners report. Kira is his sister. I started by asking Kira about her thoughts on the process so far. For, well, the fact that it's taken four months for an interim report to discover that these facilities aren't suitable for our kids is over my head. I mean, like, four months ago... Before four months ago, I already knew that these kids were sitting in, living in an asbestos-ridden place that was deemed unsafe for adults. So the adults were removed from this jail and given a state-of-the-art new jail to be housed in and the kids were then put into this asbestos-ridden centre. So, like, that makes me feel sick in the guts to even think that it's taken four months for them to discover that. Like, that our kids are sitting in an asbestos-ridden centre. Like, that could kill them. During the Royal Commission hearings, evidence has come out of staff abusing kids physically and verbally. I asked Dylan what he would like to see happen now. They should be criminally charged and I think people like 
Mr. Seidland and Tasker shouldn't shouldn't be working with young people and shouldn't be working in government organisations unless they're going to get the appropriate training or do whatever it is, but they shouldn't be working with young people at all. What would a rehabilitative system look like? I think so. In the system, accountability needs to be displayed for all people, the, the young people and the adults. I mean, we've seen in the commission hearings and the incidents with myself where people have done stuff to me, other young people, and it's gone through the court system and they've been let off. I mean, and I don't see how it's fair where if a young person walks up to someone and slaps them or chokes them, they get six months imprisonment. But if someone that's supposed to be there looking after us and we're supposed to trust them, they can do stuff for us. It goes through the courts, but they get chucked out. Why? Because we're young people and we've been, we've done something just because we've done something wrong. I mean, and I just really don't think it's fair. I feel let down by the system that these people got off on it. And for example, I've got three months, a three-month imprisonment sentence just for peeling a bit of paint off the wall because I was left in a cell for three days and I got bored. So I don't see how the fairness is in the court system. And I think that's why a lot of young people these days, when they do get assaulted, are too scared to press charges on people. One, because they feel nothing's going to happen anyway. And two, because once the guards find out that you're trying to charge them, you just get worse treatment. Because Kira is an amazing singer and songwriter, after one particularly punishing day of hearings, she went home and put her thoughts into this song. For everyone listening on Earth Matters, you mob are lucky enough to be the first ones to hear it on radio. When you close your eyes and what do you see? What is it like? When you go home to your bed, do you still think of them? Is it a game that you play to pass the hours until you get your next pay? Cause you know that these are our kids, our brothers, our sisters, that you're missing with. So take a step back and meet you Kiravola singing Get Gone, her response to the Northern Territory Royal Commission hearings, and in particular, her response to the workers and managers who abused her brother while he was in detention. What kind of staff should be working with young people who've gotten into trouble? I think they should base the officers more on people that, more Indigenous-based and more 
appropriate for young people, more younger officers, more people that can have relationships with young people and people that know a bit of the struggles of other young of what the young people are going through, people that might have relatives or stuff that have gone through the stuff and give at the same time give more younger people that have come through the system but have changed the opportunity to work in that role to help other young people out as someone who knows what it's like going through that. They need to be strong, I think Aboriginal leaders that can the kids can identify with as somebody who's either been through similar or been down the same path or at least knows the system that the child themselves have been through. I mean there's an example at where I'm at now, Bushmob, there's about four or five young Aboriginal people that are in their early 20s and some even 19 and 18 that have gone down that track and changed. There was even, there's even one there that I was in custody with who's changed his life and he's working there helping young people out and he make because he's been through that same sort of stuff as us, he makes that extra effort to help us young fellas out at the rehab centres, so having people like that working as juvenile officers and not just police people that want to um, do stuff, it would be a lot better having young Indigenous role models that we can have a good bond and relationship to talk to and get along with. Gradually, over weeks, the evidence moved from low-level youth justice officers to managers top-level politicians. And finally, when it reached the very top, there was evidence like this. Do you remember going to the behaviour management unit? I don't remember. You remember going to a unit that had, fought, had, had a series of unlit dark cells? I don't, don't recall. Uh, do you remember going to a unit that stank of urine? I don't recall. With silent children with the lights off inside those cells? I don't recall. It might have happened, but you just don't remember? Well, I, I can't recall it ever happening. That was Chief Minister Adam Giles, who told the Commission he couldn't recall important information over 60 times in his first hour of questioning. Shortly after the Four Corners report aired, Adam Giles lost his seat in the Northern Territory election. He was replaced by Labor's Michael Gunner, and here's what Dylan has to say about some of Gunner's policies. So the Gunner government have decided they're going to give more funding to the police. I, I personally disagree with that. I think that the funding should be coming for steps before they need police and to lay charges. I think the funding should be going more to youth activities and programs to stop them from having to need the police and more youth crime youth crime task force and stuff like that because if they get the uh, programs and stuff to help them, then the youth crime won't be going on, like drop-in centres and stuff like that. Most people that do stealing cars and stuff are because they're on the street walking around, but if they had a drop-in centre or somewhere like that, a 24-hour service where someone could just walk in and drop in and hopefully get a lift home or get a feed, something like that, then they wouldn't be doing the crimes that they'd be doing. So what would a rehabilitative system look like? A rehabilitative system to me would look like kids being taken into... There wouldn't be isolation, there wouldn't be anything that a normal child doesn't need. You know, like it would, it would be like a boarding house. It would be literally a, a place where kids who have been disengaged, disconnected from family, from love, from life, from anything that a child normally would have in their family home, that's where they're going to get everything and then be reconnected to what a child is meant to feel and what a child's meant to have and want to do. You know, like schooling, love, family, it's going to be all about reconnecting them with their family who they've obviously been disengaged from, whether it be because of facts have interfered or because they've just gone down the wrong path, whatever. That's, that's what these places and centres should be about reconnecting them with what they're meant to be engaged in, not 
reconnecting them with more criminals so that they can go out and have a better connection with that side of, you know, that kind of stuff that it should be about, yeah. Where should funding be going? I think that the money, instead of being put into a new centre, should be put into a community-based program where they should start up a work camp and stuff like that and more training and skills for young people that really need to be incarcerated and maybe take them out bush to break it in horses, stuff like that, instead of just putting them into a jail facility. The Royal Commission hasn't finished yet and it's yet to hand down its recommendations. But I think Kira and Dylan are showing us a way forward. Many thanks to Kira and Dylan Vola for speaking to me for this report. We also heard from young women from Amungana community with the track Break the Cycle. If you want to find out more about Shut Youth Prisons, look us up on Facebook, on Twitter or on our blog. Shut Youth Prisons Mbantwa. M-P-A-R-N-T-W-E. I'll leave you with a poem Dylan performed recently in Alice Springs. Judge like the cover of a book, the whole world thinks they know where they should. The public's addicted to the problem, overlooking if it's not seen, there's no problem. Mushrooms fake bullshit, kept in the dark, not allowed to live or understand the world we live in. Try to fight for our rights, only to be cut at the knees and lose the ability to transgress this reality. You're reminded that you're at the bottom of the food chain. You're the fish in the barrel, welcome to the broken reality that doesn't bother to correct truth is perception. The lie is deceived with the system recidivism is inevitable. Here I am thinking out aloud about all the times that I have to scream out for help. I need to be told that I'm worthless. If corrections had their way, I wouldn't be helpless. This poem was to the people who stuck by me and supported me while other people tried to vilify me. I would like to remind the public of the love that never survived the whole justice system. I wish to send my love and say goodbye to Wayne Father Morrison because the justice system took his life. When I seen his story on the news, I couldn't help but cry. It reminded me of the things I've been subjected to most of my life and how lucky I am to have survived knowing I win this fight for us who feel we've lost our human rights. Thank you. That was a special report from Elsie Kennedy from the Alice Springs-based group Shut Youth Prisons, featuring interviews, spoken word and music from Kira and Dylan Voller. You can find out more and get involved at all of the W's dot shut youth prisons m-p-a-r-n-t-w-e dot wordpress dot com we'll provide the links to the shut youth prisons and the wangan and jagalingu family council websites on the earth matters webpage, which is 3cr.org.au slash earth matters thanks to marawa johnson andy payne elsie kennedy and kira and dylan Voller for their words this is Earth Matters, and the music you've heard on this show is the Clay Pans mix and the Alpha Jazz Dog Amiga from the album Red Sand Culture. I'm Jem Rummeld, and that's it for this episode of Earth Matters, produced for 3CR Radio and broadcast all across this continent on the Community Radio Network. We'd love to hear your feedback or ideas for stories. You can find us on Facebook or email earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to talking at you again next week on Earth Matters. Things are now we want them to be. So much needs to change. Gotta break the cycle. We want fighting just to stop. So families can be happy again. We wanna keep our culture strong. We want fun things to do. Gotta break the cycle. We wanna make our future bright. We want the sunlight to shine through. It's up to me. Break, break. It's up to you. Break, break. To 
about the growing threat of nuclear weapons? Join the Women's March to Ban the Bomb on the 17th of June in cities across Australia. It's women-led but inclusive of all. Go to womenbanthebomb.org for details. Voice your support for the UN negotiations now underway on a treaty to outlaw nuclear weapons and protest against Australia's shameful boycott of these historic talks. 17th of June, womenbanthebomb.org. The International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons Australia is a 3CR supporter. 